You're listening to The Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Rewinding to December of 2017, we re-release a slightly revised podcast of an episode you might have missed. Episode 21. Freedom's Just Another Word. Real or BS? So, you got your water now? I've got my coffee. Delicious. That's good water. <laughs> Ontario-born water. Caledon Hills. So, here's a uh, definition of freedom of speech. It's the right to articulate one's opinions and ideas without fear of government retaliation or censorship. The term freedom of expression is sometimes used synonymously, but includes any act of seeking, receiving, and imparting information or ideas, regardless of the medium used. Well, I'd say that's bullshit, mostly. You would, huh? (laughs) I would. I'd say it's bullshit. I mean, these things are supposedly enshrined in our constitutions, in our charters of rights and freedoms here in Canada. And for the most part, we do not have the right to free speech. We can express ourselves in certain ways, within certain parameters, as long as X number of people are not riled up by it and don't complain. The moment that a granny from Mississauga complains, you can be shut down. So give me an example. I can use a swear word in a conversation, and if someone is offended by that expletive, the powers that be can delete it from the broadcast, say, for example. Ah, okay. So now you get boop. Instead of fuck. So George Carlin had it all right. The seven words you can't say in public. I won't say them here. People can tune into George Carlin on YouTube and see that. Mm-hmm. It's a brilliant and very scathing denunciation of what free speech is supposed to be, actually. And I would also argue that we, for the most part, are our own worst enemies when it comes to free speech. We censure ourselves. So we censure ourselves because... Well, because, A, the way we've been raised Mm -hmm. to be a good boy and a good girl, you don't say bad words. So we've been told that certain words are in and of themselves bad, toxic. You must not say them because the world is going to shake and rattle and roll. You're going to be hated, loathed, unliked, unlovable, and rude. You're talking about societal expectations? Yeah, and you can chalk that up to the church, I suppose, Mm. to religion, because religion is really at the heart and soul of what governments kind of proclaim as the morality or the ethics of the nation really comes down to religion. We are very contained. We are very controlled, dispassionate, unlike Southern Europeans or South Americans. Well, we're a British-based nation. That's what the Victorian rule brought about. Right. Stiff upper lip. Mm. Only the riffraff would speak to, you know, to me. So what can I say? There are people who ignore that and speak their minds and their hearts. And you know, like Lenny Bruce, arrested. George Carlin, I think, was charged as well. Mm-hmm. Allen Ginsberg, 1955, Howell, the poem Howell. His yes. publisher was taken to court for obscenity charges. Here's a piece of art, a piece of writing that is honest and gutsy and incredibly powerful. And the government steps in because of some people who were offended mm-hmm. and tries this publishing company. 
we've discussed this before in other podcasts in terms of this whole censorship idea where people think they can actually stop people from expressing whatever emotions or thoughts they have in a natural way. Really, it's more about educating people to the fact that these things exist rather than trying to deny or to eliminate. Sure, but the educational system itself is complicit in keeping us censured mm-hmm. and censuring ourselves. To Kill a Mockingbird was banned from schools. Catcher in the Rye was banned from schools. A number of books that are considered classics were banned from schools. Children were not given access to them because the powers that be felt it would be somehow injurious to their spirit or would pollute their minds or something. But right? isn't it really about power and control? Yeah, totally. The whole idea behind it is to control the information and manipulate things accordingly. Yeah, it goes deeper than that, I think. It's not only about power and control, it's about the very meaning of our existence. For me, if my way to getting to the meaning of why I exist in my life is to run down the street naked, spitting nickels and farting, Mm -hmm. and I'm not hurting anybody by doing that, Why should they arrest me for indecent exposure and public nuisance and all this stuff Mm -hmm. for expressing myself in a way which isn't hurting anyone, really? Oh, I think part of it's for most of these things is where do you draw the line? Well, who is the one who has to draw the line is the question. That's what I'm asking you. Or is it government? Is it the church? Like, who draws the line here? And in a country where it's supposedly we have free speech and freedom of assembly and freedom of religion and freedom this, freedom that, freedom that, We aren't drawing the line, usually. It's someone else is drawing the line for us. But when I was talking about the education part of it, I wasn't talking in strictly institutional education. I was talking in terms of personal education. So, for example, if we were more open-minded, if we were educated to all the nuances of humanity, how we behave, how we feel, we wouldn't require all these laws because if someone was running down the street, like you suggested, flipping coins and farting, we would either ignore them mm-hmm. or we would applaud them or whatever, but it would kind of self-correct that individual, he or she would correct themselves based on the response that he or she is getting. Right. And if we were all loose about it and going, oh, silly man, or maybe he's got a point, then it would all be taken in stride because mm-hmm. we're open to it. Really no different than censoring sex or censoring drugs, et cetera. So it comes down to a society that is open and has clarity on things and then can make their own decisions on these day-to-day types of occurrences Mm -hmm. rather than imposing this heavy hand for things that don't necessarily require a heavy hand. You'd think that in the public domain, the public should be the arbiters of what's sort of okay and what sort of isn't, Mm -hmm. right? But the public domain doesn't belong to the public, really. It belongs to some ideal of what a society should be in its ideal form, and that's imposed from the outside, typically. But then let's look at other societies. So let's look at the, the ones I like to use the most are the Scandinavian countries. Their Western world, their industrial world. Yeah. In other words, more standardized in terms of what we understand is Western culture. And yet, they don't have the same limitations we have. Would you agree? Sure. 
pornography is a good example. I mean, pornography was happening in the Scandinavian countries well before kind of it proliferated in North America. Mm -hmm. I remember my friend Nick and I traveled to Scandinavia when we went across Europe and we were in Denmark, I think it was, Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. And my friend Nick said, let's go to the cinema. There's a cinema in there. It's showing uh, something called Deep Throat. <laughs> something called, <yeah. laughs> And what, behind the green door. So we went to see this double bill, right. you know, and nobody batted an eye because the freedom to express oneself sexually there, consenting adults having sex, mm -hmm. even for money on camera, as being somehow perverted or wrong. Well, it's know? also because the audience from birth or from childhood was aware of these things and were making personal decisions that kind of neutralized it. If you live in a society, like you said, you expressed here in North America, where prudishness dominated more, then there's the restrictive element, which creates this problem in itself. Because once you restrict, you're just arousing more curiosity, but you're not giving them the tools to deal with it. Well, it's religion again. The body is a dirty thing right. in terms of the Bible in a way. The body is a dirty thing. It's supposed to be your temple, but it's really considered the base, the most base part of the human spirit is the body. And so we don't want to expose it too much or explore it too much or anything like that. And so all of these things from masturbation to different sexual sort of quote-unquote perversions mm -hmm. has all been defined as negative and perverting when maybe it's just human beings exploring yes. their bodies and each what's other. The, what's natural. Yeah. But to me, the point I was trying to make with that was not so much whether it's sex or drugs or whatever the issue is. What I'm saying is you now, by being restrictive rather than educating, you are now creating this undue need for more laws and more restrictions in order to control the very thing that didn't require control, but just required people's awareness yeah. and embodiment of understanding as opposed to censoring. Sure. I mean, education is a great way of changing society. It's just that the laws that are in place have a long-standing relationship to the society at large. They've been around a long time, and they're considered institutionalized. So it's very hard to change a law nowadays. Okay. It's very hard to undo a law. And look how long it's taken for the marijuana laws to be softened in Canada. Mm -hmm. Look how long it took to do that. But now there's an interesting thing that's happening modern day with the world that we live in. Technology has, of course, completely altered the landscape. We've got smartphones, computers, internet, etc. On one side, it's opening our eyes to many things that we weren't open to before, while simultaneously the powers that be, governments, political institutions, companies, whatever, they are now using it to repress sure. or to limit yeah. Kind of the antithesis of things happening simultaneously. I agree. There's the freedom of the internet is balanced by the fact that the big players, the Googles, the Microsofts, can shut you down if you step out of line. And they've done that to numbers of people. It just boots you out of the social media world. And because it's a kind of monopoly, there aren't any other platforms to get back on. So that's censorship. That's stopping freedom in its tracks right there. So again, it's education because people now have to be educated to a different realm. Now you have to educate people to technology. You have to educate people as to understanding the limitations, understanding how to decipher information, not to believe everything they see at first sight. 
But you also have to educate people as to when to stand up for mm-hmm. one's rights. In 1968, John Carlos and Tommy Smith with their black gloved in arms in the air in Mexico at the Olympics, black power, mm-hmm. a very radical thing to do back then. And it was them expressing their freedom by making a simple gesture. And boy, did that cause waves. Uh, same thing as even last year with Colin Kaepernick kneeling down during the national anthem and how other players have picked that up now. He still hasn't got a job back in the NFL, even though he's a very, very good player as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Nobody's hired him back on to take on a team. But there are repercussions for standing up for your rights and freedoms wherever you are. But the repercussions are increased by the fact that we buy into it because there's no amount of rule and law that can control the free mind. The majority of people will limit themselves according to whatever's around them. So again, it's that whole educating process of opening one's mind. You don't have to revolt physically or violently to get your point across. You can make a point by just not abiding, i.e. you don't buy a company's product. You don't buy into their mentality. You don't attend a football game instead of crying murder. You just say, I'm not going to go to the game anymore if they're not going to recognize players' rights to not stand up for the national anthem. There's a big big but to that, though. Okay. I mean, what if we, in 1939, said we're not going to send any troops over to Europe to fight Hitler. We'll just put an economic embargo on Germany. We'll contain them and we'll, we'll not buy German products and all that. My point is that sometimes you have to do more than that and you actually have to, like Rosa Parks, Stand up and say, I have a right, whether I'm black or white or anything, I have a right to sit on this bus wherever I damn well please. You have to do that. Even though there are repercussions, you have to do no, it. No, I agree. And, and, and the courageous ones out there do do that. And yeah, sometimes, and, sometimes giving up their lives for it. Absolutely. Let's talk about everyday conversations with your partner, with friends. When you begin to talk about something, what do you usually do? when the person you're speaking to is not receptive to either hearing you out or wanting to dialogue with you about a particular subject, regardless of whether they like it or not, but they're just not willing to discuss it. What do you typically do? (laughs) There's not much to do except back away and say something like, well, let's just agree to disagree on this one. Okay. So, but you made the decision in that particular case to back away. Yeah. So, but my contention on this point is this. That feeling that you had that initiated the conversation to begin with is not going to go away. You simply stopped it there because that person or that situation was not conducive to it. Yeah. That energy, that desire, that thing that's in you, it is not going away simply because you couldn't at that moment. So you're either going to express it elsewhere or you're going to seek other people who are willing to listen. Yeah, that's right. So what I'm saying is, is you extrapolate that now on a large national world level, as soon as you cannot, you know, the old saying, you can't destroy energy, it only converts. Right. So the objective to me behind all things that we consider extreme is to give an ear or an eye or whatever sense you want to give to it, allow it to be expressed. So if you've got a bunch of youth in a situation who are aggressive and and angry and you're, instead of talking to them, you say, if you say one more word, you're going to jail. I'm going to slap you in the back of the head. Do you think you're going to stop that? No. They're going to take that elsewhere. Sure. Somehow, somewhere it's going to manifest. Yeah. That's what I was talking about when yeah. I was talking about education. I agree. 
let me ask you this. Do you feel free as an individual? In what sense? Free to do whatever you want to do, speak your mind whenever you want to speak it and however you want to speak it. I don't always do it because I know that sometimes it makes people uncomfortable or it's socially unacceptable. Mm -hmm. So there, there are some inherent limitations. I guess what you're asking me is, you know, do I freely express every, every emotion or every thought that I have? Yeah. With some people I do because I know they understand where it's coming from. To someone who understands that I'm expressing a point not out of maliciousness, not out of sensationalism, I will. And, and those are by mm -hmm. far the most interesting and most satisfying conversations that I have. Yeah. That's what freedom is. Freedom of expression is being able to say what's on your mind. Also, if you're considerate, I try to be kind. It's not my nature to attack people. Right. I may inadvertently do that by expressing something that they're not willing to listen to. My point has always been, it doesn't matter if we agree. What matters is that we can discuss it. So typically what ends up happening is those people that I can do that with, I do. And those that I don't, I obviously limit my conversation or I don't talk at all. <laughs> yeah. But don't you think there's a kind of a double life that we lead? I mean, there's all of that stuff that goes on in our heads and in our feeling life, et cetera. And then there's what we express, whether we express it honestly and openly, or we express it only a little bit because we don't want to hurt the other person. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more that we suppress and censure and edit than we actually express. So in some ways, we are our own worst enemy when it comes to freedom of expression. I don't know what the individual limits are. They're different for different people. But for me, anyway, that's how I measure my level of general satisfaction when I'm talking with someone, mm -hmm. you tend to gravitate to certain people because of that. Sure. I was in university. I was a real shy guy and I wouldn't even dance. I was scared to get up and move. And I was mm -hmm. kind of stiff in my body. I didn't have a lot of bodily kind of awareness. And, and a friend came up and, and at this dance thing and said, come up, come up with me and dance. And basically she was one of those types that sort of free form dancing. <laughs> Didn't have a care in the world. No, and her freedom yeah. of movement and fluidity. And, and she said, just go ahead. Just let it go. Let your arms go. Let your legs go. Just be free. And so I loosened up. And I, I really got to a place where I was able to just let it fly and be free in my movements and be my own spastic self. Yeah. Uh, but yes, one gravitates to people who you see exercises their freedom more than others. And also, it's a way of doing it. I think part of the problem that many of us have sometimes in expressing is that if you're calm and centered, you can express almost anything in one form or another. When you're repressing or altering because of what you think other people are thinking or how they're going to view you, it often comes out wrong. And so they're not really getting what you intended or how you meant to say it because you yourself altered it. Yeah. And that's where the awkwardness comes in. That's where the anger comes in. The frustration comes in. Right. Uh, we're always so concerned. And how many times have you been in a situation where you've thought about something, you're so concerned about how you're going to deliver it, that, et cetera, and then you do it and it's like everybody laughs and it's, I really enjoyed that. It has the exact opposite effect of what you thought it would have. Yeah. Uh, I've done poetry readings where I was really worried about whether people would get the poem mm -hmm. at all. And there was a certain point where I had to say, screw it, just give it to them and give it to them like it's an unconditional gift. And don't worry about whether they like it or not, whether they like you or not. Just mm -hmm. give the damn thing. Yeah. And you do it. 
and people enjoyed it and there was no issues at all. It was just great. And I think honestly, we ourselves know most of the time within ourselves, whether we're delivering something with an intent to hurt or not, because if you, if you're really delivering something with no maliciousness and in a kind way, your limits are really reduced. And that's how George Carlin got away with a lot of what he said, even more towards the end of his mm -hmm. career, when he was extremely uh, acerbic. Uh, acerbic, vituperative, slamming away at everything in American society, holding back nothing, mm -hmm. really, mm -hmm. uh, full of expletive deleteds, etc., and got away with it, and people loved him and abided that. Well, I think right? part of the love they have for a performer like that is that he's expressing much of what they're thinking and feeling, but right. are afraid to express themselves. Exactly. His freedom is what they admire. His freedom, but also a fairly astute individual. He was pretty forward with his own vulnerability when he expressed these things. So there was a humanness about him before he even expressed his thoughts, yeah. which people could relate to. Right, right. Not everybody could have pulled it off the way no. that he did. No, not, not at all. Um, so, I mean, our individualism shines through our relationship to freedom. So let's end with his seven words. Do you know them? I don't. Uh, shit, piss, fuck, motherfucker, something, cunt, uh, something I, <laughs> I forget what it is. And on that note. And do not cut this. That's how we're going to close this. <laughs> exactly. Bingo. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. Thank you for your donation to The Sill Podcast.